Welcome to Figure Out Your Life Podcast, the podcast where we try to find the answers to life's everyday questions. I'm your host, Toya T, also known as Dr. T, Toya T, PhD, your sister from another mister, the mistress of storytelling, the best friend that you need but didn't know that you wanted, and everything in between. (laughs) Hey guys, welcome back. I'm so happy to be talking to you guys again. I know we have been not as consistent as we'd like to be, but consistent. (laughs) Then again, the best way to keep up to date on the podcast, of course, is to sign up for the Figure Out Your Life newsletter. This way that you can get notified when the podcast drops. And the way to do that, you can go to figureoutyourlifeblog.com backslash newsletter. And the information will be in the show notes. So this episode, as you already uh, know, is figuring out motherhood. Mother's Day is a holiday honoring motherhood that is observed in different forms throughout the world. The American incarnation of Mother's Day was created by Anna Jarvis in 1908 and became an official U.S. holiday in 1914. Recently, Mother's Day was celebrated in the United States on Sunday, May 10th, 2020. And I originally wanted to interview my own mother as a Mother's Day special episode, but she's not about that life. And she told me that. She said, I ain't about that life. I don't do that. I don't do podcasts. I said, okay, gotcha, lady. So... I decided and said that I would survey some of my mommy friends and some of them also happen to be also family members to get their insights on motherhood to share with you, my listeners. And I was lucky enough to get 17 different mothers, including my own mother, to fill out my survey. I asked them a total of six questions. How this is going to work is that I'm going to read out the questions and the responses to them. In between, I will give you my thoughts and ruminations on what I have uh, read and what it means to me. And I hope that you would do the same thing. And I hope you guys enjoy it. As much as people want to tell you what it will be, you don't know what it will be until you experience it yourself. Because each mother is different and each mother's understanding and experience of motherhood and being a parent is different. So with that, let's begin. The first question I asked was to define motherhood in three words. They describe it as sacrifice, consuming, never-ending, magical, thought-provoking, exhilarating, life-changing, expansive, fulfilling, unrelenting, sweet, protector, humbling, fun, blessings, hard work, growth, pain, activism, and steep learning curve. Now, here's where it starts to repeat itself. So I had four different mothers that said that motherhood to them was a combination of loving, love, loved, or true love personified. Those are the words that they used. And the four mothers, they all have children under the age of 10, which I think is very telling for the fact that once you have teenagers, they they do a lot of taking, take, 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 take. And I don't know if my mother herself would even say that. <laughs> Love when I was a teenager. Actually, my mother's not even in that category that described motherhood as loving. That should tell you one thing right there. The second word that was um, repeated was challenging. Two mothers said that motherhood was challenging 
both of them didn't have much in common. One had a 14-year-old son and the other had two children under the age of six. So there's no correlation there, nothing for me to pull out. I'm really trying to use my sociological lens to see if there is something that would be a factor in why they would describe motherhood this way. But so far, not much, except for that first one about it being loving. And I think that for younger kids, when they're under 10, they're still attached to their to their mom or their mama or their mommy or their mummy, in my case. And, you know, the, the loving and the hugging and wanting to always be around them and the following around. I think that might be kind of the reason why they might have used the word love. But again, I used the survey. I didn't go back in and interview them. So I, I don't have anything else to dig deeper into it. Four of the mothers also described motherhood as rewarding. And for this one, I didn't really find much correlation among the mothers either. Uh, One uh, had a 14-year-old son, another had children under the age 11, and another had children under the age of six. Three mothers described it as exhausting. All of them had children under the age of nine, which I'm not surprised, okay. Not surprise. Yes, this is the the time when they're always underneath you, but I've also heard it as being like so exhausting to have children constantly asking you questions, asking you to eat something, asking you for 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 their attention and having to do so much to keep them busy and keep them safe and to help them with their learning. So I am not surprised that the ones that said that it was exhausting are ones that still have children under the age of um, 12, 13, 14, like they're that are all uh, pre-adolescent. The fifth word that was repeated was beautiful or beauty. And two mothers use this to describe motherhood. And again, don't know if there's much correlation on that, but I find that an interesting term to describe it. The next that was repeated was selflessness or selfless. Not surprising. There's three mothers that use that to describe motherhood. One of them included my mother, which actually makes sense. My mother is very selfless. And so I'm not really surprised at that. Um, Also on the three mothers that said selfless, I know all have at least one male child that are going to be men of color or are men of color. I wonder if that plays a factor into the idea of it being selfless, like trying to put, put this person's life before your own and especially Living in America where you have to think about so much on how the world may perceive your male child or your children in general, I wonder if that plays a factor. The seventh one that was repeated was stressful. (sighs) Two mothers use that term, including my mother. That's the one that surprised me. I was like, stressful, lady, stressful? You talking about being my mother is stressful? (laughs) And uh, I had to get some clarification on that one. And she said, yeah, you know, I was a single mother. I had this child that I had to learn how to take care of. I was working all these hours and I'm in, a, in a foreign country. And it's all this stuff compiled on each other. And so, yes, it's stressful. It's like, OK. But what I also find interesting is that the two women that said that it's stressful both have adult children. So I think that might play a part, too. I mean, both my brother and I. I live at home. My brother never left. I left and came back and she acts like I never left. She's like, man, when you get your own place, you're going to have to learn to do this. And it's like, lady, I I lived outside your home for 10 years. Okay. 10 years. Then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, And six of those years, I lived in my own apartment, two apartments in New York, two in Atlanta and one in Goleta, 
slash Santa Barbara County. So I, I, I think she forgets. I think she thinks I'm my brother. It's like, lady, I know how to take care of myself. But uh, I find it interesting that it's the older mothers that say it's stressful. And I wonder if a lot of it has to do with the fact of the times that we live in now, the financial times, the America that we live in that is not too kind to black people. If now that you've raised your children and they are now older and going off into the world and you really can't stop them, you can only provide guidance. I wonder if that played a part in saying stressful, like having that be one of the words to describe motherhood for them. I, I mean, and I wonder if it would be different if I asked this question about when your children were young, how would you describe motherhood? So after that, joy was used by two of the mothers. Funny was used by another two of the mothers. And patience was used by three of the mothers, which I think if I really thought about it and used a thesaurus and put words into categories like certain emotion categories or feeling categories, I think I probably could have found a way to put them together, like putting exhausting with hard work. I mean, obviously those two uh, go together or unrelenting. That seems to be something also similar to the words hard work, or maybe it's similar to stressful. Maybe they could all be in the same category. And so if you see any similarities among some of the words they use to describe, let me know, because I think this is an interesting topic. And I wonder if it was hard for them to think of those three words to describe motherhood, or if it was something that just like, first three things. Ooh, I'm stressed. Ooh, this child getting on my nerves. Ooh, I'm putting this person before myself. Ooh, this child's like on my titty right now. This child is asking me for food right now. (laughs) And that's how they came up with it. So the second question that I asked was, what do you remember about the day you had your children and what was the experience like and how did you feel? Now for the answers for this question, I decided to pick the mothers by random. So I put the numbers into a random uh, number creator and use that to pick it for me because I felt like if I do it randomly, I would get a more generalized idea of the answers to these questions that I'm trying to answer by not myself picking out the ones that I think is the best and leaving out the ones that I'm like, oh, I don't really like that one. I want it to be as representative as possible. So here are the answers (laughs) from five of the mothers that I surveyed and I will give you their name and the descriptive information about their children I got from them. So what do you remember about the day you had your children and what was the experience like and how did you feel? Dominique, she's the mother of three kids, ages four, six, and eight. She said that she felt joy and shock I had a little anger around my birth experience and not being listened to and supported, but it subsided when my baby was in my arms. Drew, a mother of two kids, ages nine and six, she said, I felt like I had never lived before that very moment. Marisha, mother of three, ages four, eight, and 13, said scary because I needed to have an emergency cesarean. Parts of it felt lonely due to not having close family relationships. I would say that the first birth wasn't what I expected. The happiness was harder to find. Alex, a mother of one son who was five and two stepchildren ages 21 and 17. She said, I had been in labor for virtually three days. So I had a bunch of feelings, 
mostly being utterly exhausted, I was in astonishment at finally meeting my little guy and already feeling some of the challenges of motherhood, mostly the pressure to breastfeed and not give him a bottle. Crazy how you feel that so soon. And lastly, Natalie, mother of two, ages nine and 10. She said, I remember having an emergency C-section when I was scheduled to deliver vaginally. It was a bit scary because that wasn't the plan, but my doctor, Dr. Reeves, was amazing and explained step-by-step what was going to happen. This eased my anxiety greatly. The C-section was very uneventful, and then Alejandro was here. I remember seeing him for the first time and feeling excitement and wonder. Excitement because I finally got to see what he looked like. Wonder because I couldn't believe I actually made another human being. Now, from these five statements, what do I get from this? What would I, if I am this alien? I I think that's the best way to think of it because uh, I'm alien to motherhood. I don't have kids and I hope to have some someday. So I got the idea that the day that these women had their children, like their first child, it seems, or just the, the day of delivery and the experiences that they, most of them felt kind of happiness, joy, this, this undescribable feeling of positivity, of look at what I have created, look at what my body has been able to do. And also a bit of concern about their birthing plans. That is something that I find very interesting because I've seen it being talked about quite often when people are advising mothers to be and how important it is to have a birthing plan, but then to also not be fully committed to it, like to be okay with a plan B, but always, you know, keeping in mind what you, what your plan A is. And I, I personally would never even think about how that is a step that has to be thought out. How do I want to have children? And I find it interesting for two of the women that they pointed out how they expected to have a vaginal birth and ended up with an emergency cesarean and how challenging that was to accept for the fact that vaginal is one way that women have been giving birth forever. And, you know, cesareans or C-sections are an operation. And for many people, they've never had surgery. They've never had to go under anesthesia of any sort. And so it can be very scary to think that in this time where I'm going through all these emotions, including pain, and my birth plan has been changed and how that can affect the whole experience of it. But from what I gathered from all of their responses is that no matter how the day went, no matter how many hours in labor they spent, how much pain they were in, how much their original birthing plan changed, that all of that kind of just wasn't as important as the outcome of it. That the child and the fact that they were able to create life and to bring this child into the world was rewarding and much more significant than the before part. Number two, What has surprised you most about being a mother? So Jessica, mother of one child, that's 16 months. She said, how much I love being a mother. I decided maybe 10 years ago that I didn't want kids because I didn't want my life to change. Being a mother is by far my biggest achievement and blessing. I've grown so much on how I see life. 
being a mother has put a lot of things in perspective. I'd never push motherhood in any way. But now I see why so many mothers do. Raising my daughter is a new fun. I do miss traveling often, but that's the only thing I miss about my old life. Natalie, mother of two, ages nine and, and, and 10, said, I guess the most surprising thing is how much they mean to me. After all these years, I still stare at them and wonder that they came for me, how much and how little control I have over who they are and what they become. Karen, mother of two, ages three and five, said, what has surprised me was how busy you can get with children. A friend told me before the experience, you will get busier than you've ever been in life. She was right. And uh, Karen is one of my really good friends, my sister friends, and I love my, her little, two little babies. And that girl stay busy. That girl stay busy. You know, pandemic, no pandemic. I think the the major change for her is that her pandemic time is spent in the house and all these activities and working. And before the pandemic, it was working, getting the kids around and then still getting them to all of their social events. I was like, man, every time I try to go meet up with those kids and with her, it's like, this person got a play date. This person has this other play date. They have dance class. They have karate class. They have all this stuff. And I was like, wow, girl, when do you breathe? And she's like, never. (laughs) She's like, I don't know. But I'm not surprised at that answer. Cindy, mother of one 14-year-old son. Turning into my mother when I said I would never turn into her. Drew, mother of two, ages nine and six, says, I was surprised about how much patience I don't have that I thought I did. Oof. Well, Drew, we'll have to check in on you when they're both teenagers, when it's when it's a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old. Woof. Pray for Drew, everybody. <laughs> So from this question, what I've uh, gathered from this, and again, I just want you guys to like really think about what these questions are asking and what does it mean? I, I, I like that no matter what people tell you, what you see, what you've experienced, what books you read, that motherhood still has its little surprises. Like seeing how much that they love being mothers, even when they didn't know that they wanted to be one or the fact that they would be so in love and so enamored and, and amazed by their children even past the infant goo gaga, you know, cutie pie stage, that it's an experience that very much affects them, that it's an experience that is great. It's wonderful. It's something that you love doing, but then also it is, it is hard work. It is patience. It is finding ways to balance. It is putting someone else's schedule and needs and activities and wants before yourself and still finding the energy to do that. And it is also realizing that you may not have liked how you were mothered, but that you do learn from how you mother. I wonder myself if I will turn into my mother. And as much as I complain about this woman and I'm like, oh, no, not me. I would never. I do see myself like like when I'm like babysitting or watching some of my younger siblings or my little play nieces and nephews that I get very protective like my mother's always been like you know don't do that like oh where's your coat oh do you have food are you hungry like I've turned into that and even with my students I have kind of turned into that and one time um, a group of my students were like you'd be a great mom we want you to be a mom we were talking about this in the back of class and I'm like are you serious (laughs) 
Number three. So this one is what's the best thing about being a mother and what's the most difficult part about being a mother? Now, here we go with some responses. Tracy, mother of two, said being a real role model, setting boundaries, holding up those boundaries, figuring ish out, making sure they're alive and well. Best is seeing them be happy and figuring out things. They are so smart and creative. I pray they realize just how awesome they are. I tell them every day. Abra, mother of two, ages two and a half and four months, says seeing your child laugh and seeing their joy, their innocence. Most difficult part is selflessness. You're always providing, thinking about someone else. Lindsay, mother of one, two years old, she said, the best part is watching her grow into her own person. The most difficult part is knowing there will be plenty of people who don't like who that person is because she's a black girl. I'm going to come back to that one. Dominique, mother of three, ages four, six, and eight, said best part is laughter, kisses, hugs, and watching them grow and develop talent and insight. Most difficult part is the early mornings the sick day and nights, the need to plan and coming to agreement with spouse and family. And lastly, Deborah, mother of three, says the best part is love, unconditional love. And the most difficult part is having to say no and worrying every time your child leaves the house and breathing a sigh of relief when they return. Also, always praying that they do not get hurt or abused by someone. Now that right there. If I was actually really going to do a study on this, I would definitely try to get uh, it to be more ethnically diverse. Because I wonder if I would get the same responses as I got about worrying that your child will not be liked. Or having to hold your breath and pray that they don't get abused or hurt by someone else when they're not in your viewpoint, when they're outside in the world. I wonder if I would get that same kind of response from white mothers. And unfortunately, I think I wouldn't. I think it it would be something completely different. I don't even know what it would be. Maybe they would talk about bullying, but it wouldn't be bullying because my child is a white child. It'd be bullying because my child is different, you know, wears glasses or is autistic or has a learning disability or is overweight. I wonder if those would be more the responses. And I think if I expanded this and really could dig deep, like got like a hundred mothers of color, I think this just would be great information for those who are trying to understand when something like a Trayvon Martin or a Tamir Rice or Ahmad Arbery, where these children went out into the world and didn't come back and were shot and killed by police officers or white men who did not see them as this child that is prayed for, that is loved, that is worried over, that they don't get that same kind of humanity. But if you were able to kind of understand it from the viewpoint of those who mothered them, from these mothers who, from a little child up until they're even grown, that they're still mothering. They're still worried. If they were able to see that love and worry, I wonder if people would see these things a little bit different and wouldn't be looking for why this black child was killed, why they must have deserved it instead of what they would have given to a white child. And I think having more stories about mothers of color, 
I think helps with understanding of their mothering, unfortunately, also includes having to worry about people hating or hurting their children because of the color of their skin and something that they can't control, something that they as mothers cannot teach them not to be. You can teach your child to not be selfish. You can teach your child not to be mean, but you can't teach your child not to be black um, because that's not something that you can change that Race is still very much a a part of the mothering act for women of color, something that white mothers don't have to think about. So the fourth question that I asked was, what was the best advice on motherhood that you have ever received? (laughs) Here's what Val has to say, mother of two, ages five and three. She said, this too shall pass. (laughs) This too shall pass. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Seeing that she got a five and a three year old, I've seen I've seen videos of Val on on Instagram. She's a great mother. She's also a professor and full time working mother, and has a great father and husband of her children. But I can see those kids are active, and I can see that you know this too shall pass. This part right here, where they're just constantly just like you know these balls of energy, the Energizer Bunny. That eventually that will pass that's how I'm taking it <laughs> this 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 part shall pass and you're going to get to you know different stages that that will you know bring up different things for you but that sounds like some good advice this too shall pass this crying shall pass this pooping state shall pass this this not sleeping all night shall <laughs> time shall pass this attitude shall pass <laughs> I love it great advice this too shall pass Albra mother of two ages two and a half and four months says it's the longest, shortest time. And I, I get it. Uh, that's something I can get because, you know, women are pregnant up to 40 weeks, sometimes longer than 40 weeks, right? So that's pretty much a year. It's almost an entire year. And then you give birth to this this child or you have this child and all the stages of their lives that feel like, oh my gosh, the day will not pass, also goes by in a blink of an eye that you that you put your child down and when you wake up the next morning, they're an inch taller. They've had a growth spurt. They know how to do something different that they didn't know how to do the day before. And that even in the days that feel super long because you haven't slept and you haven't eaten and this baby is crying and this baby needs something from me, that it's still a very short time. So it seems like you learn to endure, but then also learn to, to appreciate that this time period because it's, it's going to go by quickly. That's what I got. Marisha, mother of three, ages four, eight, and 13, says, don't expect your kids to follow the path you set out for them, despite it looking the most logical. Natalie, mother of two, ages nine and 10, she says, just love them and let them know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are loved. That is some great advice. Just make sure your kids know that they are loved because it's unfortunate that there's some children who don't and and children who turn into adults don't have the experience of being loved and don't quite understand what that is and how that gets replicated in their life that they don't know how to love people or receive love because the people who were supposed to mother or father them didn't give it to them or they didn't have someone to do that for them last one on that question is be human for your kids and admit when you don't have it together admit when you are wrong be open. You won't know it all. Don't expect you will. Okay. That is Tracy, mother of two. Yes, Tracy. I, I, you can use that for adults. 
(laughs) be human. You have to imagine people as human and that we don't all have it all together. That's how I operate on this podcast and how I I like to operate in life. I love, I love this advice. I'm definitely going to put that in my future parenting notebook because that is how I see things in life. Like you have to admit when you're wrong, I was wrong. You have to make sure that your children know that you are human just like them and that you have wants and needs and other things and that you need to be open and honest with them because you don't want them to to get an image of you that is that is not completely accurate like you are not superwoman you may have the qualities of superwoman you might be performing superwoman feats but mom is still a human mom is still a girl mom is still somebody's child somebody's friend somebody's love somebody's different things that you see yourself but you can't seem to see because you have this one dimension image of your mother and I like the idea of mom at the end of the day is still a person I like that so all right and here's the last question so as I said before the first question I gave all the answers from all the moms on how they define motherhood and for the last question which is What do you want your kids to remember about you? I felt like that needed to be recorded so that it goes out there so that maybe one day their kids can at least listen to the last part of this or that there is a record of what these women who took the time to fill out this short survey that I sent out on a whim, like so that I could put a podcast together to talk about a a subject matter that I only know one side of, which is being mothered that they took the time to do this and I'm eternally grateful to them. And I want all of their words to be recorded. I wanted to make sure that this one, this one is for them, that this one is recorded in history and is put out there into the universe so that it, it will last. It will, it will last as long as the internet keeps this recording, (laughs) that it will last past me, past them, past their children and their children's children and their children's children, as long as they're still the internet. So here it goes. What do you want your kids to remember about you? Karen, a mother of two children, ages three and five, says that I will always do my best for them. Natalie, mother of two, ages nine and 10, wants her children to remember that I love them more than anything in this world and that I had high standards for them. I want them to remember that they were allowed to be themselves, have a voice in decisions, and could count on me. My mother, Margaret, mother of two, ages 36 and 26. (laughs) She said that I have always been proud of them and everything they have done in life. My dedication to them, my endless love for them. Ooh, that's deep right there. Good thing I didn't record this thing because if she had said that to me on the microphone in my face, I probably would have busted out crying. I'm already tearing up right now. I'm such an emotional cancer, (laughs) but I'm happy to to have that for myself. So Tracy, a mother of two, says that I love them. I love everything about them, regardless of what the world does or says. Mommy will always love you. Deborah, mother of three, said the unconditional love and support that they receive from me and the heartfelt love I have for my grandchildren. Jessica, mother of one, 
16 months. She wants her child to remember that I'm a strong representation of the woman she wants to be. I want her to see me as a leader and nurturer. Malika, mother of one, three years old, said, I want my child to remember that I tried to give them all I could to provide good in this life as well as the next. Cindy, mother of one, 14 years old, says, I want my son to remember my love, honesty, humility, empathy, passion, and hard work. Beatrice, mother of two, ages three and four months, says that I love them unconditionally and did everything I could to take care of them. Abra, mother of two, ages four months and two and a half, said that we enjoy each other and that I was always there for them. Dominique, mother of three, ages four, six, and eight, says that I got shit done and still valued my role as a mother. Lindsay, mother of one, two years old, says, I hope she always knows that I did my best. Alex, mother of one, five-year-old, and two stepchildren, ages 17 and 21, says that I will always be there for them. Marisha, mother of three, ages four, eight, and 13, says more things were done with love. Drew, mother of two, ages nine and six, says, I want my kids to remember my warm smile and loving eyes. And last but not least, my auntie Floriska, or Floriska, said how much love they received. Now, I, I don't even know how to, how to even go from there. I think that is a beautiful way to end this conversation about figuring out motherhood. And what I've pretty much gained from this podcast and from doing this is just how amazing it is to be chosen to be someone's mother and how motherhood in itself can be very hard to define and describe because it encompasses so many different things. It goes the whole gamut and spectrum of emotions and feelings from happiness to anger and everything in between that at the end of the day that these mothers just wanted to make sure that their children remembered them, that they remembered positive things about them, that they were loved, that they did things the best that they could and that there was never a time that they didn't always want the best for them. And so that's all I have to say on uh, this one. I want to thank all the mothers, the 17 different mothers that took the time to answer my survey and uh, allowed me to share a bit of their insights on motherhood and what it has meant to them and what they want their children to remember about them. Again, thank you to these ladies. So now this links me into the last section, figure this out. Okay, figure this out. So, figure this out for me in the vein of, of motherhood and Mother's Day. Why does future continue to create babies that he doesn't intend to take care of? What is so hard about that? Uh, if you don't know the rapid future, he has um, now officially 
six different mothers of his children and seven children. But the sad thing is, it's not even that, just that number, because what came out in the tabloids was that there was this one woman named Eliza Rain who was trying to prove that her one-year-old child was Future's child, and he was dodging her and saying, nope, that's not my child, da da da, da. And because he wouldn't answer her, she went and did a sibling test with another woman and showed that those two kids, their kids, were siblings, that they found a 100% match or 99% match on them being siblings. And so the interesting thing about this whole finding out, like the confirming of the paternity test, is that not only is he the father of now a seventh child and the sixth baby mama, but he also has an eighth child and a seventh baby mama. And this man is only 36 years old. And I'm not going to go too hard on the mothers of these children. I've seen that one of them is Sierra and she found Russell Wilson and we all know how great her life is right now. So she seemed to have learned her, her lesson and there's probably a few of them that don't give two two things about a uh, future outside of him being a father to their children. But for the last few mothers that knew that he had five other women that are children of his mothers of six of his children. Why would you want to get involved with this man? Figure this out for me. Like, why would you want to get involved with a man that has children with five other women? I mean, one, two, three, four, five. That's a whole hand. That's a whole hand right there that when you put it together, balls into a fist that you should use to punch yourself out because there's no reason why you should be attracted to a man that has so many children with so many different women. It only shows to, to me that he has no respect for himself or for the children that he creates because he continues to make children with women that he doesn't necessarily have relationships with and that he won't have enough time to spend with all these children because they're in all different places because he's just laying his seed out like he doesn't respect himself. So I don't understand it. You know, the women decided to lay down with this man. These are all, you know, consenting adults that decided to do this. And some of them did it for the love of money and some of them did it for the love of him and thought that they were in a relationship. And for him, I I understand the act that he's doing, like, you know, the actual act of having sex with this woman. I get it. But why not use a condom or get a vasectomy so that you don't create more children that you have to go into paternity court to prove that you are the father of or not the father of. And then after the fact, have to then pay back child support and current child support. I don't get it. Let me know if you understand. And with that, I'm done. <laughs> All right, so that's the end of the show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, for coming back, for listening, for rocking with me, for keeping with me when I have not been consistent on days, but consistent on weeks and consistent on content because I am very much trying to get you things that I think that you would enjoy listening to. I mean, at least I know that I enjoy creating this content and I hope that you're getting something from it. So if you are, please do me a favor and subscribe to the a podcast wherever you are listening to this so that you can always be kept up to date on when I drop the latest episode. And if you like the, the episode and you like the podcast and you like me, please go ahead and rate and review this podcast wherever you are listening to this. If you've already done so, thank you very much. If you have not, this is your time to do it. It doesn't have to be long, but it would really put a cherry on my day, on my month, on my pandemic and make me feel all good and warm inside like someone who's mothered well and <laughs> please share this episode with at least one other person so that we can spread and grow as a group and I think that's all for me so I hope 
that you guys have a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are. I hope that you stay blessed, that you keep your hands washed, you stay safe, and you thank a mother out there. If it's your godmother, your grandmother, your mother, mother, your drag mother, your friend that mothers you, just make sure that you honor them today and every single day. And with that, I'll talk to you guys later. All right, bye.